there's so many craftspeople and artisans up here and everyone up here has a shared appreciation for seasonality and the quality of ingredients and that sort of lifestyle. And then visitors are coming to be a part of that. And so we were really drawn to what a unique location that was, is to not separate the agricultural side from the experiential side. Hello there. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life, of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you, you're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, for season four of our series, a season of celebration and community with families all around the world who welcome us to breathe in the crisp air, sip slowly from a warm mug, and cozy up by the fireplace as we gather around festive memories and merry conversations. This is Staying Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Kyle and Katina Connaughton, the husband and wife duo behind Single Thread Farms, a bespoke hospitality experience in the center of Sonoma wine country, where they work and live in harmony, Katina as a head farmer and Kyle as the head chef, to provide locally curated and crafted produce and products, one of the world's best fine dining destinations and wine programs, paired with intimate accommodations to accompany it all. Kyle and Katina, welcome to the show. Happy to have you in our company. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for Thanks having for us. having us. We're so happy to be here. I'm so excited to be able to speak with you both. I know we mentioned you a few times on some of our previous episodes, so I'm excited to hear your story from the both of you. And so before we get to know your three Michelin star and green Michelin star farm, restaurant, and inn, we do, of course, want to get to know you first. Can you take us back to your childhood upbringings and how your love story started at such an early age? Oh, Katina, you're the love story (laughs) expert. Oh my gosh. Well, just to give you a little bit of a timeline, this January, Kyle and I will be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. And last December was 31 years together. So we met when we were just 15 and 16 at a punk rock show down in Southern California, and it was just love at first sight. I know that might sound a little cliche, but I feel very fortunate to have found my life partner at such a young age. You know, for us, after 30 years, to not have any conflict in our bones as to whether or not we are each other's person. So it was a a pretty magical moment and has been just a wild journey ever since. Oh, I love to hear that. This is a great time to really celebrate your anniversary and to look back on all those fond memories. Asking these questions is, is a good way to celebrate all that you've been through and all that's to come. The timing works out just perfectly. Can you tell us about your own personal passions? I know you both had different early careers and worldly travels prior to finding and founding Single Thread Farms. So can you give us a bit of that history? As Katina said, we grew up in Southern California, Los Angeles area together, but we had early on this desire to be up in Northern California and wine country. We got married when we were 23 along the Mendocino coast and we came through Healdsburg during our trip. When we got married, we stumbled upon this little town where we are now and we fell in love with it and we had just been married and 
and it just stuck out to us and, and we kept talking about it and thinking about it and coming up here. And But there was a lot that we wanted to do in our life first. And we just kept this dream out there and we moved to Japan for many years and to England. And then we eventually made our way back up to Sonoma County. That was always the goal, but we had a family very young and See, young chef cooking in Los Angeles and wanting to get out to Japan and cook and learn and train. I had an opportunity to do that, which was very difficult to arrange at that time. And But we embarked on that journey. And through that is where Katina found her place in agriculture and her love and her talent and gift for farming and all things in the natural world. And so we've always had this dream, but as we continue to grow, that dream continued to grow with us and take shape and take form and evolve. And eventually that sort of all culminated together into our opening of Single Thread in 2016. That's so special. I love that you gave yourselves time and space to go and experience the world, to build relationships, to make connections and to learn. Before you decided to settle down, I'm definitely at that inflection point with my fiance, Nick, where we would love to have a property of our own to host. And we don't know where in the world that is yet. So by having these conversations, by doing these worldly travels, we're just building that worldly community so that when the time is right and the place is right, we'll know. And so why was Japan such a pivotal place and point in time for the both of you? I know you had mentioned, Katina, that you really found your calling there. But what were some of the lessons or the cultural aspects that you took away from that experience? So many. Wow, so many. Yeah. <laughs> the interest and the love started very early for me when I was a kid and my dad was traveling there quite a bit for work. And growing up in Southern California, Japanese food and cuisine and culture was a really big part of my life growing up. And Katina and I, when we saved up our money and we were so young and broke and went out there and traveled around, just got inspired and you just had it in my mind as a chef that I just, I needed to go and cook there. And I went to Japanese culinary school. And then from there, it was really about language lessons and tutors and how to find the right job and get out there and just get a visa, which was incredibly difficult. But in the end, we was very fortunate for where we got to live, which was a very small fishing village in the North Island of Hokkaido. That was a very special place as much as the cities are amazing. We're really more like countryside people. And it was a really great experience for us and for our two daughters to spend time. But really the lessons were and have continued to be because we continue to spend so much time there. We were there four times this year where we're just there constantly with our artisans, with sustainable fisheries that we're working with, traveling around, doing so, so many different projects and things and continue to take inspiration and take our team out there and visiting farms. But I think really the big lessons for us were really about hospitality and just about a sort of a, a feeling, not only in a professional setting, but also amongst friends and amongst people and amongst community. That was really important for us. I think the reverence for the seasons and cooking and eating and living within the seasons was has been such a huge lesson. I think the dedication to craft and craftsmanship and that sort of commitment to your passion, or they'll say in Japanese, the ikigai or your sort of purpose. All of these things have been such a big influence for us. We don't consider ourselves a Japanese restaurant or uh, ryokan in our inn, but we do take 
a lot of inspiration agriculturally and through our menu and the, the sort of architecture of our menu and have found ways to take all of those different lessons in all those different areas, but, but really translate into where we are, the sort of sense of place and the reverence for nature and seasons of where we are. So beautifully said. I can definitely see those values coming through and to hear about how a, a particular place and the people shaped what you were able to not only replicate, but to honor in its own way. Like you said, that sense of place, you're able to share those same values, but in your own way that made sense in California and with your local community of farmers and craftspeople there. Was there a particular moment or person or place that really inspired you to return home to California and build what would become Single Thread Farms? Well, we always wanted to get back to California. I mean, it's interesting growing up and cooking and living in Southern California. All I wanted to do as a chef was get to Japan. And in my culinary training, chefs who were really serious about their careers that all wanted to go to France and go to Europe because that's where the two, three Michelin star restaurants were. But my, my focus was always on going to Japan. At that time, in the sort of late 90s, there really wasn't an option for an American chef to go out and, and do that. And then when we finally did get out there, of, of course, we were we were both taking so much from the experience of just living there, working there. We were moving from this sort of urban and suburban sprawl of Southern California to this very agricultural place. So it was a really transformative for us, but it also gave us some perspective to look back at where we're from with an appreciation as well for how special California is and really start thinking and dreaming back about Northern California, about wine country, about this place where we are here that had inspired us as well at such a young age. And the goal was never to just move and stay in Japan and live the entirety of our lives and have our careers there. It was really to go and train and get that inspiration and bring that back. And when we got there, I think the moment was to give us that perspective and to be able to actually look clearly back at California from a distance. I think the really profound moment for me was uh, to be able to look back and understand how deeply connected I felt to nature after immersing myself in Hokkaido at the time, because I grew up in a very urban environment, not connected to my food system at all, not really connected to nature so much. And we moved to a very rural fishing village, as Kyle had mentioned, surrounded by agriculture. All the noise from the city just faded away. And all of a sudden, what was presented before us was just this beautiful landscape that was changing so dramatically. And for us to have been able to pay attention to that. And I don't think I realized until... Looking back several years later after we had moved to England and then back to California, just how much of an impact that time in Japan had made on me. So it was a, a really profound and really special time in my life that then shaped the the avenue that I chose to go down. Also to the connectivity that we know we saw and we continue to see actually between here in California and Japan, there's actually a lot of interesting shared values. I mean, here where our focus is, again, on seasonality, it's focus on the produce and the products telling the story about 
the the place and the time. There are so many incredible artisans and craftspeople here as well. And it, it is interesting to me growing up in this California cuisine. And I, I was working for chefs who had come from Chez Panisse, like Suzanne Goyen at Luke and the birthplace of California cuisine and the, and the change and the focus on agriculture and farming and telling the story of the farmer and connecting with the seasons. And those were all things that were already very important in Japan. And, and there is a lot of connectivity and sort of similarities felt. So for us, we don't see them as these two very different things that we try to find a way to merge together. For us, we see what those three lines are and what that connectivity is between California and Japan. And over time, have really built a lot of what those bridges are in the world of food. Well, you've been able to blend both worlds so beautifully. And to your point, I think sometimes you do have to step away in order to really appreciate all that you had and can really enhance by going back. So what drew you to move to the Dry Creek Valley in Sonoma County in particular? Was it the land, your passion for wine, for hosting people? What was specifically special about that place? When we first came up here when we were 23 and saw how special and amazing it is, and it was this combination of wine and agriculture and food, and it's a really unique place within America where people are really going for the food and wine experience. And so we certainly saw that there was an opportunity there for guests who would be coming from all over, coming to really enjoy that wine experience and more agricultural setting. For us to have a rural restaurant, it's so much different than city restaurants where, you know, restaurants can be part of people's very busy lives or very busy visits to an urban area. And people are moving from one place to another, and it may be one of many things that they're doing in a day. And up here, it's a totally different speed that things are working. I mean, people are here, people live here because they're passionate about wine, about food, about agriculture. There's so many craftspeople and artisans up here, and everyone up here has a shared appreciation for seasonality and the quality of ingredients and that sort of lifestyle. And then visitors are coming to be a part of that. And so we were really drawn to what a unique location that was, is to not separate the agricultural side from the experiential side. And in fact, to do the opposite, to really draw the guests deeper into that story for them to see and experience the farm or the farming to enjoy a bottle of wine from a producer that they weren't familiar with one evening and then have us set up. And then the next day they're meeting that winemaker and having a tasting there and forming a really amazing memory. And so it was all these things that drew us here and, and continue to build the community and the ecosystem here that we're, we're a part of. It's such a dynamic winemaking community from Producers who have been here for quite a while and multi-generational who really founded and, and started this amazing place and this sort of blend of grape growing, wine making, and other forms of agriculture. Because actually before it was grapes here, our area was really focused primarily on fruit orchards. So you still have this amazing blend of those things happening. And then you have this younger, more up-and-coming dynamic producers here who want to do something really unique and they can come to a place like Sonoma and actually 
get land, get grapes, make wine and make things happen. So it was that winemaking community. It was agricultural community. There's a, a great, a incredible floral community here. And of course, the amazing food community here. It's amazing to be a part of that, but also to have a guest who just come in and their focus is on the experience, on dining, on food. It's not just something that's folded into their day. It's what they're here for. And so it's really pretty incredible how open people's minds are to the types of experiences that we create for them. That's so great to hear. And that's exactly the type of travel that I love to do. And I think that my listeners and the growing community of people who want to travel slowly and mindfully, and it's no longer about going to a restaurant in the city that's farm to table, but it's about going directly to the source. To your point, I want to be out there and meeting the farmers and learning about the produce and what's in season and how it's harvested and why it pairs nicely with this swine or this other vegetable on the dish. And so I think that to your point, you're providing that experience directly at the source that just is so unique and allows us to really appreciate where our food comes from and how important our environment is and the work that our farmers and and these craftspeople are doing to really honor and steward that into the future. And so I definitely want to speak specifically about all those different facets. But before we do so, where did the name Single Thread Farms come from? I have a little bit of an inclination just given the common thread throughout the story that you've shared so far. But is there any special significance there? Yeah, definitely. Single Thread is the sum of our experiences over the past several decades now. And uh, I think that those experiences, of course, have shaped and evolved the vision of what Single Thread now is and will become in the future. But as we were talking about it, we knew that we really wanted to tie all of these very just important important facets of our life and our interest together. And when we described it, we would describe it as, well, it's this concept and there's a single thread that's running through fatality and agriculture and culinary. We just organically named it because we kept saying it, not realizing that we had named it long before we actually put pen to paper. So it's a single thread that really runs through all of the worlds that have shaped our lives over a very long time. That was the one thing we didn't have in all of our big plans. We didn't have a name, but and as we were describing it to people about the restaurant and the farm and the inn, and we have a small winery and all these things that sounded like trying to do a lot of things all at the same time. That was the way that we tied it together. And like Katina said, we just said that so many times that eventually that came together as the name. And that's what best described it then. And even more so best describes it now as we continue to look for ways to tie and guess to more to their food systems and to the experiences we were talking about of coming up here and not just having um, a meal, but really getting a sense of the place where we are, and but also a time within that place. We put a lot of emphasis here on being in a very present moment for our guests so that they can be very present in their moment, dining or experiencing or staying with a, and trying to take away anything that may impede that for them, but also really sharing with them the stories and connecting them with 
how everything is really harvested every day that morning. And then we're expressing it that evening on the menu. And on top of that, something that has really become so true to us is that when you talk about a single thread, while a single thread is strong, the reason why it's strong is because it's woven with multiple fibers, which is really representative of the community and the ecosystem around us that supports what it is that we're able to do. It's not just Kyle and I who are going into the space and creating a memorable experience each and every day. We are just two people amongst a really beautiful and supportive community of of makers and professionals that create the experience that we set forth to do so. So beautifully said. Yes, I can see all of that come to life in, in how you explain it and just the passion that you have for it. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with? Are you yourself a host looking to share your story and welcome in good company? We're always looking for new places to travel, new people to meet. Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at Stay in Good Company. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there. Now it's time for us all to take a trip to Single Thread Farms as it stands today. So Katina, can you paint us a picture of your farm first? Nestled in and amongst the Dry Creek Valley, you have 24 acres of biodiversity and supplying vegetables, fruit, herbs, flowers, honey, and olive oil to Kyle's kitchen. So what can we expect to see, smell, and savor? Gosh, you framed it really beautifully. We are bookmarked by vineyards, and our number one priority is really to bring biodiversity to this great growing region. And we're so fortunate. We spend our lives dedicated to supporting good food systems. We have the great privilege to be able to build our own. So we have a really beautiful 24-acre piece of land, and it's open to the community. So we're able to invite our guests out to come and experience and to connect with their food systems, to learn more about agriculture. Everything is hand-scaled. So we have broken the farm into very workable growing blocks where We took all heavy machinery off the land several years ago and are really paying attention to growing healthy soil in order to grow healthy crops. And it's just a beautiful space that is textural and colorful and growing with nature. We've experienced a lot of environmental shifts over the past several years. And so the goal is to really just adapt and to continue to grow with nature and not against it. Yes, you've had a lot of challenges along the way, but the fact that you're willing to listen and to adapt to the land and what it's telling you to do with it sounds so special to what you are providing. And that's what's making your work so bountiful. And you had mentioned briefly a little bit of how guests can experience the farm. I know you also have a farm store You have CSA boxes and other workshops and programming. So can you share a little bit more about those different features? Yeah, we have really delighted in being able to roll out some programming that uh, revolves around the farm, whether it is a CSA box or it's an agricultural workshop, a floral workshop. We really want to invite people 
to come and be a beekeeper for a day, to be a flower farmer, a flower designer for a day, to come and really have experiential uh, moments that are going to maybe shape how they walk through life and in hopes that they just are more mindful and have a little bit more insight into maybe how our food is grown and the hard work of the farm and paying attention to seasonality and locality and hopefully maybe voting with their dollars a little bit more responsibly or just paying attention to what is in season and why it's so much more delicious and amazing when it is in season versus when it's not. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, I certainly know where I need to go for my schooling as I build out my own vegetable garden and we talk about keeping bees one day. So it sounds like we can definitely learn from some of the best with you and your team. Now, transitioning Kyle to your restaurant, if we were to dine in good company at your three Michelin star restaurant in the heart of downtown Healdsburg, what regional flavors and international fusions would we expect to find on our plate? I know you had hinted to a lot of that but what can we expect to find on our plate, in our glass, and around our table? Yeah, well, every night we serve a 10-course menu, and that is really what we're cooking that day. We're uh, adapting that menu for anyone's dietary needs or allergies and restrictions. So we have essentially anything, a vegan version, vegetarian version, pescatarian version of our menus, and we're very flexible in that way. It's really like you're coming to our home for a dinner party. So we get that information and we have that conversation with our guests in advance. When they arrive, they can just enjoy that experience. And so what we're cooking every evening in our restaurant is really what we say is that we're telling the story of today. Mm -hmm. So whatever is happening today, that moment in particular on our farm and certainly in our area of what is being harvested at that moment of the farm, what's at its peak ripeness, what is it that Katina and her farm team are saying, here is what we have, here is what is at, at its best, then we adapt to that. That's our creative spark in terms of what it is that, that we do and develop. So you really are experiencing that moment. This is everything from our farm that's being harvested today. And we create d different dishes with that. So you're really experiencing that throughout the course of the menu. And you're being surrounded by flowers that were grown on the farm or things that were brought from the farm. So not only the ingredients of the plate, you're really surrounded by everything that's that moment. And so you're appreciating the hard work of the farmer and you're steeped in that moment in time. And we don't have any signature dishes. Nothing stays on the menu. It's always changing. It's always in flux and can come back at different times of, of the year in different years and have a very different um, type of uh, experience that's really in whatever that moment is. My place as a chef is really to showcase the hard work of the farmer. Katina and her team, they're out there for months and months growing something that we have for just a few hours. They're harvesting, they're bringing in that morning and we're serving that night. We have that real responsibility to take that hard work and transform that into something for the guests to really appreciate the the beauty and the flavor of what that is. And everything is coming in with such nutritional density and so alive and so vibrant that it's such a pleasure and an honor 
for us to cook with it and to share those ingredients and those stories with our guests. The way you speak about it, I can practically taste it. And I think that collaboration, that dance that you two do with your teams of taking what's there and just making something beautiful out of it. You're not coming in with a grocery list of items that these guests are demanding, but you're telling your guests, this is what we present to you as a collective. This is the best that we have to offer and we hope you enjoy it. And we appreciate you trying something new. And for me, I will try anything and everything besides tree nuts, which I do have a allergy to. So make note of that. Nick will try it for me. He loves when dishes contain nuts because that means he gets two of them. But yes, we love to dine that way. And we really appreciate the dance of all the aspects that go into it. Yeah, it really is. It's so incredible that the farm drives everything. It's a tremendous sense of responsibility. And we have to really dial in our systems to make sure that we can provide for the culinary team. But there is nothing more exciting than bringing in these beautiful crops, some new, we do a lot of experimental trials. And, and then of course, a a lot of them that are tried and true, but bringing in these harvest bins of beautiful produce to the kitchen that really just creates this, I don't know, this excitement within them to inspire these beautiful menus. And we're always in awe of what they do create with it. And for it to be so respected and so appreciated and for the chefs to be so connected to their systems. But we also, I think something important to mention, we we don't try to grow 100% of what the uh, restaurant is needing produce wise and even flower wise as well or for the floral because we incorporate a lot of beautiful floral moments into a guest experience we're in this really beautifully supportive agricultural community for a reason because we want to support our local farmers we want to continue to learn from them and to be ourselves a part of that community it's such a gift to be here and to continue to grow for our restaurant, for the community, but also to get to enjoy the hard work of the neighboring farms around us. Absolutely. I must ask, has there ever been certain produce or harvest that has been a challenge? Was there too much of something, too little of something, something that was completely crazy that Kyle, you didn't know what to do with? Things are happening all the time. I mean, that's the, that's the sort of behind the scenes of, of how this all works. It's so much easier as a chef, as a restaurant to just call up a produce company and say, send me this. Mm -hmm. And they're just sourcing it and it's showing up on your back door. We have to grow it and bring it in. And then we have to like, think about the levels of that. It's not just available for three days and there's more than we can use for a short period of time. And then it's over it's about the sort of flow. And so there's a, a lot of, there's a lot of depth in how they manage like their plantings and the maintenance of the crops and then their harvests, you know, for us so that we can enjoy some consistency as uh, even though things are going up and down and then how things come in and how they phase out things they weren't expecting, like a frost coming and changing things on you very quickly Um, And then when we have just a small amount of something, then we figure out a way to use it 
in a, in a small way. And when we have an abundance of something, then we think of ways to use it in an abundant way. So all of these things are really driving the creativity in the kitchen. And it's really quite nice because it's like the farm is making all these decisions for you. So you just have to follow that and listen to that. And then the answer appears as to what we should do creatively for the dishes. So the challenge for our chefs and our culinary team for us is to look across the entirety of what's coming from the farm and in how much and when and in what size and what shape and then be driven by that and really plan. It's a lot to plan and disperse across a 10 course menu where over that there's something around 30 individual components that you're having across a 10 course uh, menu. So there are a lot of outlets, but there's also a lot of things to figure out and you don't have any of these anchors where you're like, okay, well, we know these dishes are always like this. That's never the case. It's always in flux. And then when we do have an abundance of things, we're also feeding ourselves. So we have right now, I think 135 total staff across the inn and the farm and the restaurant and administrative and everything that we we do. So we're cooking for ourselves family meal every day and we use the same produce and ingredients that we're serving to our guests. We're not using the lower quality or something like that. We're incorporating the, the farm into that. And then we have a whole fermentation program. So things that are in abundance are getting pickled and fermented or dried or turned into something for another season. And so we're always like planning ahead in in the way that people used to. So there's really no waste. And then we also have gleaners and people who are coming in or food banks that we're working with. And so there's an outlet for everything. It's just having to have a plan and put that into action constantly. Well, and to your point, it's a whole community approach too. I love that you look at it not as a challenge, not as a constraint, but really rather as that creative outlet, that creative opportunity to make all of those connections, to have that seamless single thread throughout all of those different experiences so that everyone can experience the bounty of the farm whether it's yourselves, your guests, or the broader community who, who needs food and nourishment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you didn't look at it as a creative opportunity, you would be looking would at yourself going, business. why am I making this so hard for myself? <laughs> it's definitely the hard way, but I guess we don't think about it that way. We're just like, this is the way and the whole team and we all just think this way. So yeah, there isn't we, a point where we look at each other and we're like, can we just make this a little bit easier? There's no corners cut. Absolutely. Now, I want to lean a little bit more into your wine program, which again is so carefully handpicked with your selection of small production wines and sake from around the world. So can you share a bit more about how you take all of this and apply it to that program as well? We have an incredible wine director, Chris McFall, and wine team. And we've been very fortunate to that his predecessors, some of the most incredible wine professionals, not only with their knowledge, but also their hospitality and their passion for education for both our staff and for the guest. It's just pretty incredible. So we've built this amazing wine program. We got our grand award in, what was it, 2021? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right through the pandemic where people were really selling off their wine cellars. We're continuing to really build our program in some creative ways. 
And now I know it's 3,000 selections right now. It's quite a large list. It seems like, oh, this is one of those phone book wine lists, but it's actually quite focused for the depth and breadth that it has. Obviously, we're in Sonoma wine country, so we are focused primarily on on our local wines, and we're there to champion local wines and the Sonoma producers. So that's the cornerstone of our program is really highlighting these incredible local producers whose wines we just, we love so much. Because we're in Sonoma, there's so many comparisons to Burgundy because of the grapes that we grow here and the wine that we make predominantly, which is Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. That being said, there is also incredible Zinfandel and Syrah and Riesling. And then obviously our neighbors to the east in Napa are, are growing the more the sort of Bordeaux varieties and, and it's all wine country up here. So there's a, quite a bit locally to, to draw from, but we have a really uh, quite a large Burgundy selection because people who come to Sonoma tend to be very passionate about those varieties and about wines from Burgundy as well. So that's another big focus of our list. And then other old world selections in particular of what goes really well with our cuisine because it does lean more to the sort of Japanese California types of flavors and profiles. So wines from Germany and from Austria and Alsace and these places as well that whose wines tend to go really well with our cuisines. And we do have a big selection of Bordeaux and Italian wines, but that's a, a little bit of a smaller focus just because of the, the style of cuisine that we're doing. But we have a lot to pull from. Over half of our guests have one of our three different pairings. We offer three different wine and beverage. And I say beverage because we always have sake in there. We have quite an extensive sake list, as you can imagine, from our cuisine. And we're, we're close with quite a few sake makers in Japan as well. So we're always championing very interesting and unique sake producers. And so that's also part of our pairing. And then we have an NA pairing as well. So we have one chef who's completely dedicated just to the non-alcoholic pairing and creating those really in harmony with the dishes on the menu. And then just lastly, with our wine list, we do focus on single vineyard. That's really the focus. We want guests to experience the terroir specifically. There's so much diversity in the viticulture areas here from the coast and inland and different soils and where the marine layers are and are not. So when we want to be able to have guests experience to say, this is what a Russian river Pinot Noir is versus on that. So we do focus on, on wines that um, reflect that terroir. So really on wines where you, the, what is in the bottle is coming from that single vineyard site. That educational component is so special to the fact that you give these guests the opportunity to learn and the patients to share the stories of these wines and why they pair with the dishes and where they come from. I think I'm always curious. I'm always asking questions almost too much to the point where Nick will get embarrassed. But I think that a place like this and the setting that you create and the way that you educate your team and then they educate your guests is really special. So I really appreciate that you honor those products for what they stand for and are able to share it in such a a beautiful presentation. And now I want to, of course, get into the hospitality of your inn itself And so if we were to stay in one of your thoughtfully curated rooms of your inn, 
what in-room meals, amenities, and other artisanal delights can we expect to indulge in? It's so special. And we just really love that we have the opportunity to invite guests to stay in what we consider our home. And so for a guest to come in and dine and to really feel like they are part of our family and to just go upstairs and stay in the room and have breakfast in the morning is just, it was a dream that we had always envisioned. And so we really love that aspect of what it is that we get to do. But the rooms are so special. Yeah. Christina said it was always the dream to be able to have a small in component. I mean, we're, we're, a restaurant with with a small inn rather than a hotel or an inn with the restaurant. It's nice to have it be in that direction because it really does allow us to focus on the rooms as much more. It's a stay in our home rather than you're going to a larger hotel or inn. And then the guest gets a lot of focus and attention and we're able to curate their experience in a slightly different way. A big part of our hospitality philosophy was always that feeling that you were staying in our home, that you were coming to our home. That's why we just made the menu. You're coming and and selecting your menu. There's nothing that you have to worry about in terms of ordering. As well with the inn is when you book a stay, it's inclusive of breakfast and everything that's in the room. So all of the amenities that are in the room are sort of version of the mini bar, which is really like a curated selection of so many of our favorite things from food that we're making, local artisanal food, wine that we make in our winery with guest winemakers and different kinds of like things and treats that we put into that room for guests to discover and all the other amenities that are in the room as well as a a room service menu that they can just call down and get oysters or a type of crudite of all the farm vegetables from the harvest that day all these different things. So we just didn't put a, want to put a price tag on anything. We do a collaboration beer every year on our anniversary with Russian River Brewery. And the, the only place that you can experience that is in the restaurant. And so these are our favorite things, just like you were coming to our home. If you came to our home and you were staying the night in, a, in our guest room, you wouldn't go into the fridge and we say, hey, if you want to have that beer, it's $14. Or if you want to open that package, it's $20. It's all in there so that guests can really feel like that they are in, in our home and don't have to think about, okay, well, this is really interesting, but what's the price? Do I really want this? We're just like, here's everything that we love and just experience it and have that style of hospitality and that really spoke to us and has really, I think, resonated with the guest. And we put the menu in there for them for breakfast and say, order whatever you'd like and put that out. We'll have that ready for you in the morning. And that's the way we like to do it. Oh, and the breakfast is so thoughtful. It's so delicious. And it is just such a, a fun iteration of a morning meal that the chefs create that is also driven by the farm. So it is it's a more intimate experience and uh, it is it's just so good. I love it. I'm so excited for guests when they come in. <laughs> well, it's nice to only have five rooms. Us. We have five rooms and we have 35 chefs. So it's, of course, not all of them are dedicated to breakfast, but we have such an amazing and talented culinary team and just five oh, rooms so to prepare for. So it's just, we're oh. able to just to have so much fun and do so much with it and it's quite an elaborate breakfast but that's what the the guests are there for and just to have that in your room or in our rooftop gardens and then 
We also have a really fun in-room dining menu as well for guests who are staying more than one night with us. So obviously, if, if they're staying one night, they're dining with us in the restaurant. And if they're staying more than one night, we also have these in-room donabe, which is uh, Japanese clay pots, these r- really fun hot pot experiences. And for Katina and I living in the North Island of Hokkaido, it's very long, cold winters. And we became very passionate about this style of clay pot cooking where everyone is sitting around the hot pot and with the burner on and just this very soulful cooking of these beautiful hot pots. So we have one that's like shabu shabu. It's all the vegetables from the farm and meats from a a local ranch that we're in partnership with where we're raising 100% purebred Wagyu cattle just about 15 minutes away from the restaurant. We have a sort of homage to Hokkaido seafood uh, hot pot, which is a mixture of local seafood and seafood from sustainable fisheries in Japan and produce from the farm. Having these hot pots in your room, they're just very soulful and some appetizers and dessert. And you can just enjoy your room and turn the fireplace on and turn some music on or during the warmer months mm-hmm. up on our rooftop gardens. And it's such an intimate way to dine. And in Japan, it's very common in the ryokan and the Japanese inn experiences for you to dine in your room and have that experience. But in Western culture, room service is something that's out of convenience or timing or whatever. And while it can be good, it's it typically focuses on a quick breakfast or a burger or Caesar salad or something like that. So we really took this idea of really enjoying your room rather than feeling like you have to go out to really stay in and just enjoy the intimacy of the experience and the beauty of the room and create a really nice um, environment there where it's really private or very romantic and just look at dining in room in a completely different way, which guests have really loved and now keep coming back for being able to have that in-room experience. Mm -hmm. Feel nurtured and cared for in such a meaningful way. It is, it's such a great opportunity for that. Well, and to your point, I think really appreciating that sense of place and that moment in time. Oftentimes we've got a packed agenda when we're traveling and we don't think about the stay as a place to make memories itself. And so that's where I love having these conversations and learning about these specific moments where we can really enjoy where we're staying and why we're staying there and what about those rooms and those different artisanal features that we can enjoy and experience and then take back with us. And I think that what's so special about what you're creating is, yes, you've won all of the awards, you've been at the top of the list, but you talk about it as if it's your home. You're not some stuffy fine dining restaurant, but you're welcoming people into your homes. You're allowing them to learn and to experience and feel welcomed. And I completely hear that in your passion and just the pictures that you're painting for us. And I think that it's such a unique approach to hospitality that I really hope continues on and more people learn from in the future. I know that's exactly how I like to travel and how my audience does. And part of that is that you have mentioned building special relationships with designers, with craftspeople, artisans, makers across a a number of different mediums. And so are there any that you would like to highlight now in particular? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean. We could do a whole day. (laughs) Where to begin? (laughs) 
a part two. They are everything to us. It's yeah, such a so vast and uh, just a, a beautifully rich community of talent and compassionate people who dedicate their life to their craft. Yeah, I think I would say a few things because as Katina said, there are so many, our community, it goes beyond just our staff. There are so many other important people involved, which are part of the greater um, community that makes up Single Thread that we are always wanting to champion and, and showcase and are so proud to work with. And these artisans and craftspeople, many of them here locally, for us, quite a few of them in Japan as well, but they really are the heart as well of what we do. And we wouldn't be able to do what we do, serve the cuisine that we do, or create the experiences without them. And we're in the restaurant really up front and center and having those interactions with the guests and so many of these other really important people in that experience right there, they're off elsewhere doing whatever their craft is. And so we really want to connect them through us more closely and give that appreciation for that. Because as Katina said earlier, we want to connect people to their food systems. And part of that is obviously with ingredients and thinking seasonally and, and locally and maybe connecting with farmers and things in your own area or through a farmer's market and what's meaningful about that. But also to these other types of uh, artisans and craftspeople and Something that we're reminded of all the time is that if we don't support these types of makers, we will lose them within a generation. And that's happening all, all around the world. As people shift and, and our world shifts and our economy shifts, it's easy to lose heritage and culture through craft, whether it's pottery or lacquerware or metal craft or artisanal food production of particular types of in, ingredients, all of these things, it's once you've lost that, it's very hard. It could even be impossible to regain once you've lost that heritage. So when we find these artisans and it's usually either an individual or a small group of people, it's we feel such a sense of responsibility to support them and to work with them and, and to champion them and share them with others. And so we do that through our farm, farm store, we, we take a lot of their work and we showcase it there so we can share with others. So we're constantly trying to connect people so that they in turn can support those artisans. But again, it's really looking at when people leave, what we want them to walk away with is this idea of why do these things matter in my own life? We're not going to change everything in the world in our small, little, tiny world of what it is that we're doing. But we do hope that guests come and experience and they see the beauty and the joy and the purpose in a lot of these things. And it, may, it does make them walk away and think about some of those things and how they might want to incorporate it in their own lives and, and look locally within their own communities of things that they can do and people that they can connect with. So mm-hmm. it's an incredibly big part of our life and world. And it's something that we're constantly, Katina and I are looking at about how we can go deeper with how can we take guests deeper into into these stories and into these connections. Right now, after seven years, it's our number one priority is, is now that we've established ourselves and what is it we're doing, how can we take 
guess deeper into these stories. Yeah, we take a lot of pride in having a place and a platform to be able to tell their stories. So it's a big focus of ours and a, a great privilege to be able to do so. I love that you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I look for in my travels is that memento is something I can take back with me. Yes, it might be a piece of ceramic or a piece of art, but perhaps it's also the bottle of wine or the recipe from the breakfast that morning or type of sustainable daily habit that I learned along the way. And so I think that recognizing that and the storytelling aspect of that and the community building that goes into it is, is so special to what you're creating in the community that you're building. And now being nestled in such a charming and quaint town as Healdsburg, what do you like most about the local places to eat, sites to see, things to do? Are there any other local businesses that you'd like to support? Oh, yeah. It's so special. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so. really special. And we have had, I think, just the great fortune of being able to work alongside just such dedicated, incredible talented people and they too have fallen in love with their sense of place and have opened their own establishments so we get to keep them as part of our family and get to continue to enjoy all of their talents and their own homes that they've built for the community so yeah. it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's very great to see that community grow through us and the family tree that started to be upgraded here at Single Thread, as Katina said. It is a special place in that, though, as I was saying earlier, people who live and are part of this community here, they're here because they have a passion for these things that really matter. They're connected to agriculture, to wine, to food, to a slightly slower pace of life to community. There's a real sort of sense of community and help and connectivity. People care a lot about the community and watching it grow in sustainable ways and be innovators environmentally here in what we're doing. And there's also a lot of accountability that's, you know, here as well, which is really important and a lot of looking out for one another. So it's amazing to live in amongst that and to share that with the guests, to get people to just come in and decompress and slow down. In the warmer months, which is many of the months here for us, we begin our dining experience up on our rooftop gardens. And it's just to come and have a glass of wine and sit outside and enjoy a bit of the sunset and decompress and get yourself into like wine country mode. People think you come to wine country and that it's just wine tasting rooms all day and sort of day drinking turns into big elaborate meals at night. And certainly that is a fun thing to do. And that is certainly on offer here. But there's such a diversity of things to do from hiking in the Armstrong Redwoods to our Russian River and so many things along the river to the Sonoma coastline and cycling is, is just huge here. And people are outdoors. People are active. People are, are doing things. It's about balance in life. And it's really about showcasing a really like balanced lifestyle in that way. So it, it is really special for people to visit. I think they have the idea that they come here and it's like, what do you do in wine country? We just drink wine all day and you eat food all day. But there's really so much more to do to incorporate uh, into that because that's fun for a day or two, but you really need more than that. And there is so much more here to offer. And as Katina was saying, we've had some of our team who's moved here from 
different parts of the country and different parts of the world to work here. And they fall in love with that community. And after working with us for a few years, they're opening their own places. So Quail and Condor, which was a bakery that was started by a former pastry chef and chef of ours. Maison Healdsburg, which was this amazing local wine bar, was opened by our original wine director and uh, husband and wife and two of the captains in our dining room. And then there's Troubadour, which was opened by um, two former uh, chefs of ours, which is this amazing sandwich shop during the day. And it turns into this prefix sort of French California brasserie at night. That's a lot of fun. And then we have another new restaurant in town, which is our former general manager, our former maitre d' and some of our former chefs who opened Multi Amici, which is a really fun California Italian place in town. So the single thread family is growing. Thank you. Oh, it's so great to hear of the community and the growth beyond just single thread. Looking forward to the future. What can future guests at single thread farms look forward to what's newer coming soon that you both are most excited about? Continuing to create more experiences on the farm and more opportunities for guests to get out to the farm and experience that firsthand. That's been a huge priority for us. So more workshops, more tours, more daily things and tastings that are going on out there to get their hands dirty and to see what it is that Katina and her amazing team do out there. And then last year, we also bought a new inn, which this year in 2024, we'll begin renovating and adding as well another 11 guest rooms and with kind of a new experience that's just down the road from single thread slightly different type of in experience, but with still all of our philosophy and all of our hospitality in it as well. Oh, well, we will just have to visit you in person then and do a whole new episode to hear more about that experience. How exciting. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at Stay in Good Company and drop us a note with where you're going and when, and we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. So now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Single Thread Farms, we've learned and grown in good company with you, Kyle and Katina, and thus I have a few final questions, what I like to call a toast to table topics. Who would be a dream dinner guest, someone you would like to share a meal with? I'd like to share a meal with you, Kyle. It's <laughs> very rare these days. Share a meal with you. <laughs> we don't get many meals, just the two of us, where we're traveling and cooking and all these things. We, we always have, it's always like a We've created a the uh, what we feel is the ultimate experience that we would love <laughs> <laughs> for others. So I think I'd like to share a meal with you. Yeah, we get to share meals with so many incredible people. It'd be nice to to have one, just the two of us. We really do. That's so sweet. Well, actually, Kyle, my next question was going to be, what would be your go-to Sonoma wine and signature single thread dish that you would serve them? So what would you be serving your lovely wife? Oh, wow. Oh. (laughs) No pressure. Well... I know that's based because I know what her wine tastes are so much, but oh, it's so impossible to say and to just get down to one Sonoma wine. We're just, I mean, it, it's so many um, amazing it depends things. depends on the season. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on so many things, but I get to cook for Katina and I know 
her tastes and her preferences so much. And people always ask, oh, do you go home and cook? You're a chef, you're in a restaurant cooking all day. But we, we also love to cook. And my favorite person in the world to cook for is Katina, whether it's something simple at home or in the restaurant. She's my favorite person it's to cook for. Yeah. Yeah. Really is. And I did have the most delicious bowl of Thai noodles last night. It was just absolute perfection. So I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> there you go. Now, Katina, what is your favorite season on your farm in Sonoma and why is that? Well, that is a tough one, but I am going to say end of summer, early fall, because there's this really incredible intersection of the seasons colliding and the landscape starting to change, but we're still riding out all those beautiful abundant summer crops and things are in bloom, but the days are getting a little bit shorter and a little bit cooler. And there's just something so special about it. Sounds beautiful. Kyle, where is another town or city in the world that you'd like to visit to learn more about their culinary culture? Oh, I love to visit Kyoto in Japan. It's my favorite city. It's a city that doesn't feel like a city, but I love the cuisine culture and the history, you know, there so much. And it's a place where um, I take a lot of inspiration from. Beautiful. And Katina, is there another female farmer that you'd like to raise your glass to now? I think there are so many, and I wouldn't want to exclude any. And I, I do get to work alongside an amazing female farmer, our farm manager. Her name is Arielle Adair, but she is amongst a, an incredible network of what I feel are pioneers in the just world of agriculture here in Sonoma County, and especially a lot of flower farmers in this area who are really leading the way by changing the conversation around floral design to focus and have an emphasis on seasonality and locality and really grow flowers with the same integrity as we grow all of our culinary crops. So it's a pretty incredible community and amazing group of women to be a part of. So beautifully put. All right. And to not overstay our welcome, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking... If our listeners haven't already done so during this episode, where can they go to learn more about your farm programming, book a dining experience at your restaurant, or stay at your inn? The best place to go is to singlethreadfarms.com and to go to our website and everything from our inn booking to our restaurant reservations and anything that we are offering in terms of workshops or anything like that is all there. And Instagram, which is at singlethreadfarms.com as well as another great place to get started and learn more. Perfect. We'll be sure to include all of that. Well, many thanks for joining us, Kyle and Katina, and for giving us a taste of your signature seasonality and locality. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks Thank for having you. us. It was of so course. fun. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends. <laughs>